Chapter Four of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two by Havelock Ellis. Chapter Four: Sexual Inversion in Women, Part Two. According to the Assiniboine legend, a man's wife fell in love with his sister and eloped with her, a boneless child being the result of the union. The husband pursued the couple, and killed his wife as well as the child. No one cared to avenge her death. The fox legend, entitled Two Maidens Who Played the Harlot with Each Other, runs as follows. It is said that once on a time long ago there were two young women who were friends together. It is told that there were also two youths who tried to woo the two maidens, but they were not able even so much as to talk with them. After a while the youths began to suspect something wrong. So once, during the summer, when the two maidens started away to peel off bark, the youths followed, staying just far enough behind to keep them inside. While the girls were peeling the bark, the youths kept themselves hidden. After a while they no longer heard the sound of the maidens at work, whereupon they began to creep up to where they were. When they drew nigh, behold, the maidens were in the act of taking off their clothes. The first of this rope flung herself down on the ground and lay there. Pray, what are these girls going to do? was the feeling in the hearts of the youths, and to their amazement the girls began to lie with each other. Thereupon the youths ran to where the girls were. She who was lying on top instantly fell over backward. Her clitoris was standing out, and had a queer shape. It was like a turtle's penis. Thereupon the maidens began to plead with the youths. Oh, don't tell on us, they said. Truly, it is not of our own free desire that we have done this thing. We have done it under the influence of some unknown being. It is said that afterward one of the maidens became big with child. In the course of time she gave birth, and the child was like a soft-shell turtle. In Bali, according to Jacobs, as quoted by Ploss and Bartels, homosexuality is almost as common among women as among men, though it is more secretly exercised. The methods of gratification adopted are either digital or lingual, or else by bringing the parts together. Tribadism. Bauman, who noted inversion among the male negro population of Zanzibar, finds that it is also not rare among women. Although Oriental manners render it impossible for such women to wear men's clothes openly, they do so in private, and are recognized by other women by their man-like bearing, as also by the fact that women's garments do not suit them. They show a preference for masculine occupations, and seek sexual satisfaction among women who have the same inclinations, or else among normal women, who are won over by presence or other means. In addition to tribadism or cunilinctus, they sometimes use an ebony or ivory phallus, with a kind of glance at one end, or sometimes at both ends. In the latter case, it can be used by two women at once, and sometimes it has a hole bored through it by which warm water can be injected. It is regarded as an Arab invention, and is sometimes used by normal women, shut up in harems and practically deprived of sexual satisfaction. Among the Arab women, according to Koha, homosexual practices are rare, though very common among Arab men. In Egypt, however, according to Godard, Koher, and others, 
it is almost fashionable and every woman in the harem has a friend in turkey homosexuality is sometimes said to be rare among women but it would appear to be found in the harems and women's baths of turkey as well as of islam in general bantam in the sixteenth century referred to the lesbianism of turkish women at the baths and leo africanus in the same century mentioned the tribadism of moorish women and the formal organization of tribadic prostitution in fez there was an osmanli sapphic poetess mihiri whose grave is at amasia and vambery and ahistorides agree as to the prevalence of feminine homosexuality in turkey among the negroes and mulattoes of french creole countries according to corre homosexuality is very common i know a lady of great beauty he remarks a stranger in guadalupe and the mother of a family who is obliged to stay away from the markets and certain shops because of the excessive admiration of mulatto women and negresses and the impudent invitations which they dare to address to her he refers to several cases of more or less violent sexual attempts by women on young colored girls of twelve or fourteen and observes that such attempts by men on children of their own sex are much rarer in china according to matignon and in cochin china according to lorion homosexuality does not appear to be common among women in india however it is probably as prevalent among women as it certainly is among men in the first edition of this study i quoted the opinion of dr buchanan the superintendent of the central jail of bengal at bagalpore who informed me that he had never come across a case and that his head jailer had never heard of such a thing in twenty-five years experience another officer in the indian medical service assures me however that there cannot be the least doubt as to the frequency of homosexuality among women in india either inside or outside jails i am indebted to him for the following notes on this point that homosexual relationships are common enough among indian women is evidenced by the fact that the hindustani language has five words to denote the tribad one dugana two zanake three sata four chapatai and five chapat bars the modus operandi is generally what marshall calls geminus comitere cunus but sometimes a phallus called sabura is employed the act itself is called chapat or chapti and the hindustani poets nazir rangin jan saheb treat of lesbian love very extensively and sometimes very crudely jan saheb a woman poet sings to the effect that intercourse with a woman by means of a phallus is to be preferred to the satisfaction offered by a male lover the common euphemism employed when speaking of two tribads who live together is that they live apart so much for the literary evidence as to the prevalence of what mirable dictu dr buchanan's jailer was ignorant of now for facts in the jail of r the superintendent discovered a number of phalli in the females enclosures they were made of clay and sun-dried and bore marks of use in the jail of s was a woman who as is usual with tree-birds in india wore male attire and was well known for her sexual proclivities an examination revealed the following face much lined mammae of masculine type but nipples elongated and readily erectile gluteal and iliac regions quite of masculine type as also the thighs 
clitoris with enlarged glands readily erectile nymphae thickened and enlarged vulvar orifice patent for she had in early youth been a prostitute the voice was almost contralto her partner was of low type but eminently feminine in configuration and manner in this case i heard that the man went to a local ascetic and begged his intercession with the deity so that she might impregnate her partner the hindu medical works mentioned the possibility of a woman uniting with another woman in sexual embraces and begetting a boneless fetus short history of aryan medical science page forty four in the town of d there lived apart two women one a brahmin the other a grazier their modus operandi was tribadism as an eye-witness informed me in s i was called in to treat the widow of a wealthy mohammedan i had occasion to examine the pudenda and found what martino would have called the indelible stigmata of early masturbation and later sufism she admitted the impeachment and confessed that she was on the best of terms with her three remarkably well-formed and good-looking handmaidens this lady said that she began masturbation at an early age just like all other women and that sufism came after the age of puberty another mohammedan woman whom i knew and who had a very large clitoris told me that she had been initiated into lesbian love at twelve by a neighbour and had intermittently practised it ever since i might also instance two sisters of the gardener caste both widows who lived apart and indulged in simultaneous sapphism that sometimes the actors in tribadism are most vigorous is shown by the fact that in the central jail of blank swelling of the vulva was admitted to have been caused by the embraces of two female convicts the subordinate who told me this mentioned it quite incidentally while relating his experiences as hospital assistant at this jail when i questioned him he stated that the woman whom he was called to treat told him that she would never satisfy herself with men but only with women he added that tribadism was quite common in the jail the foregoing sketch may serve to show that homosexual practices certainly and probably definite sexual inversion are very widespread among women in very many and various parts of the world though it is likely that as among men there are variations geographical racial national or social in the frequency or intensity of its obvious manifestations thus in the eighteenth century casanova remarked that the women of province are specially inclined to lesbianism in european prisons homosexual practices flourish among the women fully as much it may probably be said as among the men there is indeed some reason for supposing that these phenomena are here sometimes even more decisively marked than among men this prevalence of homosexuality among women in prison is connected with the close relationship between feminine criminality and prostitution the frequency of homosexual practices among prostitutes is a fact of some interest and calls for special explanation for at the first glance it seems in opposition to all that we know concerning the exciting causes of homosexuality regarding the fact there can be no question it has been noted by all who are acquainted with the lives of prostitutes though opinion may differ as to its frequency in berlin moll was told in well-informed quarters the proportion of prostitutes with lesbian tendencies is about twenty five per cent this was almost the proportion at paris many years ago according to parent du chatelet 
Today, according to Chevalier, it is larger, and Bourneville believed that 75% of the inmates of the Parisian venereal hospitals have practiced homosexuality. Hammer in Germany has found among 66 prostitutes that 41 were homosexual. Hirschfeld thinks that inverted women are specially prone to become prostitutes. Orenberg believes, on the other hand, that the conditions of their life favor homosexuality among prostitutes. A homosexual union seems to them higher, purer, more innocent, and more ideal. There is, however, no fundamental contradiction between these two views. They are probably both right. In London, so far as my inquiries extend, homosexuality among prostitutes is very much less prevalent, and in a well-marked form is confined to a comparatively small section. I am indebted to a friend for the following note. From my experience of the Parisian prostitute, I gather that lesbianism in Paris is extremely prevalent, indeed, one might almost say normal. In particular, most of the Chahou dancers of the Moulin Rouge, Casino de Paris, and the other public balls are notorious for going in couples, and for the most part they prefer not to be separated, even in their most professional moments with the other sex. In London the thing is, naturally, much less obvious, and I think much less prevalent, but it is certainly not infrequent. A certain number of well-known prostitutes are known for their tendencies in this direction, which do not, however, interfere in any marked way with the ordinary details of their profession. I do not personally know of a single prostitute who is exclusively lesbian. I have heard vaguely that there are one or two such anomalies, but I have heard a swell cocotte at the Corinthian announce to the whole room that she was going home with a girl, and no one doubted the statement. Her name indeed was generally coupled with that of a fifth-rate actress. Another woman of the same kind has a little clientele of women who buy her photographs in Burlington Arcade. In the lower ranks of the profession, all this is much less common. One often finds women who have simply never heard of such a thing. They know of it in regard to men, but not in regard to women. And they are, for the most part, quite horrified at the notion, which they consider part and parcel of French beastliness. Of course, almost every girl has her friend, and, when not separately occupied, they often sleep together but while in separate, rare cases, this undoubtedly means all that it can mean, for the most part, so far as one can judge, it means no more than it would mean among ordinary girls. It is evident that there must be some radical causes for the frequency of homosexuality among prostitutes. One such cause doubtless lies in the character of the prostitute's relations with men. These relations are of a professional character, and, as the business element becomes emphasized, the possibility of sexual satisfaction diminishes. At the best also, there lacks the sense of social equality, the feeling of possession, and scope for the exercise of feminine affection and devotion. These the prostitute must usually be forced to find either in a bully or in another woman. Apart from this fact, it must be borne in mind that, in a very large number of cases, prostitutes show in slight or more marked degree many of the signs of neurotic heredity, and it would not be surprising if they present the germs of homosexuality in an unusually high degree. The life of the prostitute may well develop such latent germs, and so we have an undue tendency to homosexuality, just as we have it among criminals and to a much less extent among persons of genius and intellect. Homosexuality is specially fostered by those employments which keep women in constant association, 
not only by day but often at night also without the company of men this is for instance the case in convents and formerly at all events however it may be to-day homosexuality was held to be very prevalent in convents this was especially so in the eighteenth century when very many young girls without any religious vocation were put into convents the same again is to-day the case with the female servants in large hotels among whom homosexual practices have been found very common laycock many years ago noted the prevalence of manifestations of this kind which he regarded as hysterical among seamstresses lace-makers and so on confined for hours in close contact with one another in heated rooms the circumstances under which numbers of young women are employed during the day in large shops and factories and sleep in the establishment two in a room or even two in a bed are favourable to the development of homosexual practices in england it is seldom that everyone cares to investigate these phenomena though they certainly exist they have been more thoroughly studied elsewhere thus in rome nicephoro who studied various aspects of the lives of the working classes succeeded in obtaining much precise information concerning the manners and customs of the young girls in dressmaking and tailoring workrooms he remarks that few of those who see the virtuous daughters of the people often not more than twelve years old walking along the streets with a dressmaker's box under their arm modestly bent head and virginal air realize the intense sexual preoccupations often underlying these appearances in the workrooms the conversation perpetually revolves around sexual subjects in the absence of the mistress or forewoman and even in her presence the slang that prevails in the workrooms leads to dialogues with a double meaning a state of sexual excitement is thus aroused which sometimes relieves itself mentally by psychic onanism sometimes by some sort of masturbation one girl admitted to nicephoro that by allowing her thoughts to dwell on the subject while at work she sometimes produced physical sexual excitement as often as four times a day see also volume one of these studies autoerotism sometimes however a vague kind of homosexuality is produced the girls excited by their own thoughts and their conversation being still further excited by contact with each other in summer in one workroom some of the girls wear no drawers and they unbutton their bodices and work with crossed legs more or less uncovered in this position the girls draw near and inspect one another some boast of their white legs and then the petticoats are raised altogether for more careful comparison many enjoy this inspection of nudity and experience real sexual pleasure from midday till two p m during the hours of greatest heat when all are in this condition and the mistress in her chemise and sometimes with no shame at the worker's presence even without it falls asleep on the sofa all the girls without one exception masturbate themselves the heat seems to sharpen their desires and morbidly arouse all their senses the voluptuous emotions restrained during the rest of the day break out with irresistible force stimulated by the spectacle of each other's nakedness some place their legs together and thus heighten the spasm by the illusion of contact with the man in this way they reach mutual masturbation it is noteworthy however nicephora points out that these couples for mutual masturbation are never lesbian couples tripodism is altogether absent from the factories and workrooms he even believes that it does not exist among girls of the working class he further describes how in another workroom 
during the hot hours of the day in summer when no work is done some of the girls retire into the fitting-room and having fastened their chemises around their legs and thighs with pins so as to imitate trousers play at being men and pretend to have intercourse with the others i have reproduced these details from nicephorus careful study because although they may seem to be trivial at some points they clearly bring out the very important distinction between a merely temporary homosexuality and true inversion the amusements of these young girls may not be considered eminently innocent or wholesome but on the other hand they are not radically morbid or vicious they are strictly and even consciously play they are dominated by the thought that the true sexual ideal is a normal relationship with a man and they would certainly disappear in the presence of a man it must be remembered that nicephorous observations were made among girls who were mostly young in the large factories where many adult women are employed the phenomena tend to be rarer but of much less trivial and playful character at wolverhampton some forty years ago the case was reported of a woman in a galvanizing store who after dinner indecently assaulted a girl who was a new hand two young women held the victim down and this seems to show that homosexual vice was here common and recognized no doubt this case is exceptional in its brutality it throws however a significant light on the conditions prevailing in factories in spain in the large factories where many adult women are employed especially in the great tobacco factory at seville lesbian relationships seem to be not uncommon here the women work in an atmosphere which in summer is so hot that they throw off the greater part of their clothing to such an extent that a bell is rung whenever a visitor is introduced into a workroom in order to warn the workers such an environment predisposes to the formation of homosexual relationships when i was in spain some years ago an incident occurred at the seville fabrica de tabacos which attracted much attention in the newspapers and though it was regarded as unusual it throws light on the life of the workers one morning as the women were entering the workroom and amid the usual scene of animation changing their manila shawls for the light costume worn during work one drew out a small clasp knife and attacking another rapidly inflicted six or seven wounds in her face and neck threatening to kill anyone who approached both these cigarreras were superior workers engaged in the most skilled kind of work and had been at the factory for many years in appearance they were described as presenting a striking contrast the aggressor who was forty-eight years of age was of masculine air tall and thin with an expression of firm determination on her wrinkled face the victim on the other hand whose age was thirty was plump and good-looking and of pleasing disposition the reason at first assigned for the attack on the younger woman was that her mother had insulted the elder woman's son it appeared however that a close friendship had existed between the two women that latterly the younger woman had formed a friendship with the forewoman of her workroom and that the elder woman animated by jealousy then resolved to murder both this design was frustrated by the accidental absence of the forewoman that day End of chapter four part two